0: From Gimlet, I'm Alex Bloomberg and you're listening to Startup. And I want to take you back in time to one of the first conversations between my co-founder Matt Lieber and me. This tape is actually from before Matt was my co-founder, just a couple of weeks after we'd met, way back in the summer of 2014. This was before we'd quit our jobs, before we'd raised a dime of investment, before this podcast had actually launched. And back then, I was looking for a partner. Matt was intrigued by my idea of a podcast network, but he kept saying, "Yeah, making a bunch of new shows—that's all well and good. But the real opportunity is in marrying technology and content,
1: marrying technology and content in an
0: open platform. Are we on? Are we together on that?" Yeah, I, yes, I think so. I think so. I mean, I think you see it in a way like this is where when you say those words, you're seeing something specific, and when you say those words, I'm seeing, I'm seeing something big. Yeah. So, so what is the specific thing? Like, so five years from now, yeah. what, what is the thing? What does it look like?
1: Yeah, five years from now, um, we are the dominant digital audio platform in the world. And when, every, when someone gets in their car, we are the thing, the first place they go on the dashboard. And when they get out their phone, we're the first place they go on their phone in the way that when people want to share photos, they go
0: to Instagram. What I said to Matt was... I'm on board with this idea. What I told my wife, Naznin, later that night was something different. Like, what's exciting to him is making a gigantic, game changing company. What's exciting to you? Making a whole bunch of new shows. Okay. Making them better and figuring out how to make them be profitable, and then is Matt figure- not interested in doing that? No, he is interested in doing that. But he's like, yeah, you start with that, and then like you build on that, and you sort of like scale it, and you make a you make a platform that you know makes that easier to do, and you can bring people onto your platform, and blah blah blah. Like, I don't know, I don't, I can't visualize it, so it's hard for me to sort of say. Uh huh. Um, And it feels, like, big and out of my control. And um, I don't want to do it. This was the first conversation in what would be an ongoing many-month debate. A debate about what would be the role of technology in our company. Which was really a debate about what kind of company did we want to be? Did we want to be purely a content company that focused exclusively on making podcasts, Or did we also want to be a tech company and invest in building an app that would deliver content to our listeners? Today on the program, I'm going to chart the evolution of our thinking on this question. Many voices weighed in, including one of the largest, most successful tech companies in history. It was really strange. There were a lot of stakes attached to this technology decision. Expanding into tech was riskier. To pull it off meant spending a lot more money up front, hiring more engineers, probably raising another round of financing. But the potential upside to building a successful tech company, that was bigger, too. Long-time listeners may remember this technology question has surfaced before on the Startup Podcast. Way back in episode two, when I was meeting with an investor, Matt Mazio, and he was strongly encouraging me to invest in technology as I built the company.
2: Podcasting is, frankly, a technology that has this really core audience on it, that just love it, that hasn't broken out into the broader mainstream. Most people aren't podcast listeners. And there are a whole bunch of things that are broken there uh, that you have an opportunity to fix.
0: But then there were Gimlet investors like Marco Arment, who felt entirely the opposite way. In fact, Marco remembers listening to that episode, where Matt Mazio was encouraging us to think more about
2: tech. We were listening to that in the car this weekend, and my wife and I were yelling at the radio— Say so, no, that's wrong. Don't do that. Listen to your wife. She's right. Do not do this. And, by the way, your wife's advice has been amazing on this show. <laughs> you should definitely listen to her more than almost anyone else you've talked to, or actually more than anyone else you've talked to that I've heard. Uh, more than me, probably.
0: Now, Marco an actual programmer. He's built many apps that you've probably heard of. There's one called Instapaper, which I use all the time. He has an excellent podcasting app called Overcast. And he got rich enough to invest in startups like Gimlet because he helped build a company called Tumblr, which sold to Yahoo for more than a billion dollars. So you, Marco Arment, you're one of the premier app developers in the world, but you're saying that's not a worthy goal.
2: First of all, it's a massive way to waste a bunch of money quickly. What if your podcast player sucks? Which, uh, I'll tell you what, the odds are against you on that one. <laughs> so show, show me any custom podcast app that, that was made by, by a producer who isn't doing like the app itself full-time. Show me one of those that is Awesome. Um, so if your app sucks, then many of your listeners who have been encouraged to use this app or are required to use that, depending on how you set it up, that app becomes part of the quality of your show to them. It becomes part of the experience of listening to your show. And if your app sucks, then they're going to think your show kind of sucks as a result. So, like, you're signing yourself up for this major, this major cost and this major risk and a whole bunch of time and complexity. And so you have to weigh that, okay, what is the benefit here? Is, is that really what you want to be doing? I think your money would be better spent doing what you do best, uh, which is making these shows.
0: Okay, so we have investors without tech backgrounds telling us to do more tech. We have investors with tech backgrounds telling us to stay as far from tech as possible. And then, to make matters even more confusing, the tech idea actually started to grow on me. If you're listening to this podcast, it probably means you like it. We hope you do. We hope you like it. This is an NBA podcast that I sometimes listen to. It's called Short Corner. It's by former NBA player Paul Shirley and a comedian, Justin Halpern. It's great. In this particular episode, the very first thing they started talking about was how to support their podcast. There's one way you can help us that costs you nothing but does help our podcast, and that is to use the Amazon link on our Podcast One page. To buy your Amazon stuff. So what you do is you go to podcast1.com backslash short corner, click on support the sponsors, bookmark our Amazon link. So that way, every time you buy something from Amazon, a few pennies from each of your purchase comes to us. Did you get all that? No, me neither. I was walking along listening to this and thinking, these guys have a problem that better podcasting technology could fix pretty simple what they want people to do. They want people to use a referral code every time they buy something on Amazon. But the directions were so complicated. And a good podcasting platform could have made that whole exchange simple. If you want to help us, click a button right there on your phone. Now, every time you buy something from Amazon, we'll get a couple of cents. Done. I was listening to this podcast on the way to a meeting with Matt. And when I got to the meeting, I told Matt, you know what? I think we need to build that platform. I, uh, I had an epiphany. <laughs> we really should do this. I told him about how I'd been listening to this podcast on the way over. These guys were like, "Hey, you know, we both have books. You know, you know, you should buy our books. Go to Amazon." And then they they go through this, and then and then like, "Okay, but when you get to Amazon, go. You, you have to make sure that you enter our information." Oh, and by the way, it's podcast one backslash short corner go to the, find the sponsor. It's like, nobody's going to do that. And like, people want to do that. Like, I like those guys. And I was like, I should probably buy Paul Shirley's book. I like his book. I'm not, but if he had like, literally, if it had been like, oh, take your phone out of your pocket, click here and you you can buy my book. I might've actually bought the book. You know, I, I wanted to, you know? It's been this sort of like going back and forth with my wife about like, all these investors want me to build something that I don't know how to build. And then this morning, just like walking over here, listening to that, and I was like, oh my God. Somebody has to do this. Like, it's ridiculous the way it exists right now. For the first time, I had the thought that somebody should be me. Without realizing it, I'd stopped thinking only like a radio producer. I've been listening to this podcast, and instead of focusing just on the content, I'd zeroed in on how the content was being delivered. I'm starting to feel that itch that I think drives a lot of tech entrepreneurs. Something broken out there, and I know how to fix it. After all, how hard could it be? Coming up, I find out by Googling it. Googling it in a different way than I've ever Googled anything before. Googling probably isn't the right verb. That's all coming up after these words from our sponsor. So one of the weird things about listening back to all this tape where Matt and I were wrestling with this big tech decision, it all seemed so theoretical back then. Because we hadn't really started the company yet. We didn't have employees, didn't have staff meetings, we didn't have daily deadlines. Now, of course, we have all of that. And so just a couple days ago, Matt and I went into the studio to check back in. And I played him that tape from the summer where he talked about the opportunity, this clip.
1: Marrying technology and content
0: in an open platform. And now here's us in the studio in the present. What, what was it like he, hearing that tape in today
1: oh it's mortifying really yeah because I don't even know what I'm saying like I hear the words and I'm like god I'm, that person is so full of hot air <laughs> <laughs> that person is talking in such a conceptual way about what this thing is and should be marrying technology and content it just sounds like a press
0: release I mean, to me, and just tell me if this is how you feel or not, what it gets at is sort of like what neither one of us knew what we were talking about because everything was abstract. And now we're in the middle of it. We actually know how hard every single act is and it's not conceptual at all. Back then, when you say marrying technology, it's like a phrase that you're saying. Right now, if we're saying we have to marry technology, then the next thing is like, okay, what does that mean? What do we do? Who do we call? Who do we hire? How do we set about the hiring process? Every single idea now has um, twenty-five steps attached to it because you actually need to do it now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Is that how you feel? Yeah, and I also have a. I think my. I think since then my attitude is much more, no, let's do less. Let's just do (laughs) the, let's do one thing and do one thing really well Uh and be ruthless about cutting away all the other things that are just distractions.
0: The fact is, since we've actually launched our company, this whole tech discussion has taken a bit of a backseat. Getting a couple podcasts launched, it turns out, is more than enough to take up all of our time. But then, just a month or two ago, we got an email. It was to our general email folder, Contact at GimletMedia.com. Uh,
1: I think it said something like, I'm a designer at Google Ventures and like, really interested in what you're doing and wondering if there's any way we could help. Um, do you want to just, like, ign- I think, like, you know, ignore this if it doesn't make sense, but if you guys want to chat, let's chat. Something like that. And So, like, so
0: you, saw, you saw this email, you said it was from Braden at Google Ventures Design, and that name meant something to you. I didn't know who Brayden was, but Google Ventures Design meant something to me.
1: It meant... Like, it's like the New York Yankees. It's like if you had a little league team and then Derek Jeter emailed you and he's like, hey, I've got a little baseball team and I thought you guys might want some coaching or maybe I could also back clean up for you in a game. I mean, you don't have to, but if you're interested.
0: (laughs) Hi. Hi. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you guys? This is Braden. Hey, Braden. hey Braden. Braden. How's it going? Nice, nice to meet you. I'm just recording this, so. Yeah. It's early morning on a Monday, and we're shaking hands with a team of four: nice Braden, John, Jake, and Mandy, all from Google Ventures. We're all meeting in our freezing cold conference room. The heater is broken. Again, are our offices like Google.
3: No, they're much cooler. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> that's not true.
3: Just saying, start in San Francisco have been spending a lot of time making their, their offices very nice and clean and perfect. Maybe as a recruiting tool, it's nice to be
0: in someplace more real. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is not um, our office. I don't know if our office would really count as a recruiting tool. It's <laughs> more of like a recruiting impediment that we've overcome so far. <laughs> a lot of things that I never expected to happen have happened in the last few months. But Braden and his team being in our offices was actually one of the more surprising ones. Google Ventures is the venture capital arm of Google. And Braden and his team are essentially an elite startup assistance squad. They do this thing called a design sprint, which means they parachute into companies like ours and help them figure out questions like the one we're facing. Should we build an app? And if so, what should that app do? And Braden and his team are superstars. Braden was the lead designer on a product you might have heard of. It's called Gmail. John helped build YouTube. And they did this design sprint with us partly for the chance that they'd show up on the startup podcast. That was how they sold it to their bosses anyway. And I take them at the word that they're fans and they wanted to help. I also think they did it because, and this might sound weird, they could see themselves in what we were doing. One of the things I've noticed hanging out as I've been doing in the Silicon Valley tech world, there doesn't seem to be as big a gulf as you'd think there would be between huge multinational tech companies like Google and tiny half-imaginary startups like ours. I mean, there's a gulf, obviously, but not compared to, say, an older company, like, I don't know, General Electric. And I think it's because nobody at GE personally remembers a time when it was just them and Thomas Edison in the garage tinkering with light bulb filament. But there are plenty of people at Google who were there when it was born. Braden, Jake, John, young people in their 30s, they remember when products like YouTube and Facebook, products that hundreds of millions of people use every day, did not exist. So maybe guys like Braden, John, and Jake, they look at us, a couple people with a fledgling podcast company, and we don't seem that different somehow. Anyway, that's the theory. But I also want to acknowledge something else, something that I'm sure a lot of you out there listening already know. This journey that I've been on, despite all the emotional turmoil that's wrought on me, it has gone very quickly from something somewhat typical to something pretty storybook. I know that people can spend years just getting funding and years launching a product, For us, it all came together with what, in retrospect, has been lightning speed. And a lot of that speed and all the amazing things that have happened are because of this podcast. To use Chris Saka's term, you, the listeners of Startup, are my unfair advantage. Okay, but enough sentimental crap. Back in the freezing cold conference room, Braden and his team talked us through what exactly they do. Braden says that typically, a company like ours trying to decide whether to develop an idea would build a version of that idea, a quick and dirty app that we would release to the public, and then we'd get feedback to help refine our idea and make it better.
3: So, you're gonna have an idea. It'll be bad, but you won't know it. Then you'll build it, which you'll waste a lot of time building this bad idea. Then you'll launch it, and that's where you really get into trouble because, well, you told your parents it's amazing, you've worked on it, you love it, you told the press it's gonna be amazing, and I don't know, the hardest thing is that you've given it to customers,
0: also, you've spent a ton of money and time. Even launching a very basic, no frills, quick and dirty app can take months, involve a small team of engineers, cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. The Google Ventures design team's answer essentially don't build this minimum no frills version, fake it. Build a fake app that looks like the real thing, maybe even feels like the real thing but doesn't have any actual programming in it.
3: We're really good at building things that aren't real. We're good at faking it. We can make stuff look beautiful when there's really nothing underneath it. We want to fool people into thinking it's real Uh with as little work as possible.
0: And building a prototype like this, it's a little like building a fake house, where the kitchen is all set up. You can walk through it, see how it feels, but the water doesn't actually run. The refrigerator is just a prop. The stove won't produce a flame. It won't function as a kitchen. But it will help you figure out, is this the kind of kitchen I want in this house I'm building? So the first thing we needed to do was figure out exactly what features we wanted our fake app to have. And what was amazing about these Google guys, they have built this incredibly robust process to help figure stuff like that out. It's a process they built from the ground up, and it has very specific steps and a very specific toolkit, a toolkit made up almost entirely of post-it notes, colored dots, and markers. This is the sound of a half dozen adults trying to solve an existential question about the future of a company by doodling on post-it notes. The idea here is to make the brainstorming and developing process as efficient as possible. In fact, Jake told me he doesn't like brainstorming. Everyone's sitting around a conference table spitballing ideas. It feels like you're being productive, but in fact, you're wasting a lot of time because everyone has to wait their turn to say their idea. Far better that we all just write down our ideas and then stick them up on a board for everyone to read. Take a... A blank piece of paper, and you're going to fold it in half, and in half again, and in half a third time. And in each panel, you're going to you're going to draw something and sketch. The Google team is really big on sketching. This is an exercise they call Crazy Eights, where you draw pictures showing how an app might look as fast as possible. They set up this big timer, a little speaker. It'll be 40 seconds per frame. We'll call out the time. And then John hits play on the beautiful. official Crazy Eights music. Over the next couple of days, we did a lot of sketching, a lot of drawing. And in the end, Braden gathered up all our doodle-covered Post-it notes and storyboards written out on sheets of printer paper so he could build our prototype over the weekend. And when Braden came in that Monday and showed us what he'd built, it was pretty incredible to see. It looked just like a real app, a real app that most of the time didn't do anything when you poked or swiped at it. But still, we couldn't wait to get it in front of people. What I want to do is just kind of spend some time chatting with you and then have prototypes I want to show you. This Um, is the voice of of Michael Margolis, another member of the elite Google Ventures team. His superpower? User behavior interviews. We'd rounded up five startup listeners in Seattle who were willing to go to Michael's office and play around with our fake app. It's worth acknowledging these participants gave us permission to use their voices on air after they interviewed with Michael. It was not a condition of the interview. Tom Leung was one of the test subjects, and Michael asked him first about his listening habits.
4: So one, I was actually just thinking the other day about how rarely I have silence. In fact, I almost become like very uncomfortable with silence. So like literally, if I'm flossing every night, like I have to be listening to something.
0: In other words, exactly the kind of power user we're looking for. We were imagining this app as aimed at our most committed listeners, the 10% or so who wanted more than what was available just through a standard podcast distribution system. And I want to be clear here, the prototype we were showing people was nothing like what a final podcasting app would be. It's very limited in its ambition, designed just to test a couple key features we thought our app should have. The first feature, me. Hey, welcome to the app. I'll be your guide as you explore this app. When you first open the app, My Voice comes out, giving the user a guided tour. We figured we're an audio company. Our app is an audio app. Why not audio instructions? Um, but for right now, you're on the main home screen. You see all of the Gimlet media shows. Look around, explore, see what you think. I'll be back if you haven't told me to shut
3: up on it. Yeah,
4: not a big fan of that. but I don't know. It reminds me of uh, that little paper clip in Microsoft Office at Clippy or whatever,
1: mm-hmm.
4: where it's like, dude, I want the app.
0: Welcome
4: to the app. So you've
0: tapped on the oh,
2: show
4: and all the episodes No! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I don't know why it got me so pissed, but it kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to close this app right now.
0: Of course, not everyone hated my narration. Here's Tim Sorens, another listener who tested the fake app.
2: I like the kind of humorous intro from Alexa. I think that's very much in line with the kind of relationship that he developed with his listeners.
0: Another feature we wanted to test, a talkback feature. In our app, we imagined a big microphone screen where listeners could record messages, stories, whatever they wanted, and share them with other app users. Again, there were mixed results to that. And the final feature we wanted to test was something similar to what I'd imagined when I'd had that epiphany listening to the Short Corner podcast, some way for our listeners to easily support us financially. So we had the screen where you could sign up for a monthly subscription, which would get you behind-the-scenes photos, extended interviews, and some bonus content. Again, some people were all in.
2: The $5 a month is whatever. That's... That's not a big ask for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, but, I mean, I work for a nonprofit. I'm by no means rolling in money. Uh, and and it's a, you know, like I said, I'm kind of like a, a nerd about podcasts. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it's enough, you know, kind of behind the scenes yeah. stuff that would interest me.
0: For others, what we were offering people who bought a subscription, special behind the scenes photos, extended interviews, extra bonus content, it wasn't enough.
4: So yeah, if, if I can't get it for free, I'll pay interesting yeah but if it's the main stuff is free and you're like hey you know the, the, the turkey is free but you can you can pay for the parsley i'll be like dude no i don't want that don't want the
0: parsley in the end we are not totally sure what to make of the results it was a small sample after all but i can tell you that the process was a revelation it took all the pressure off of making this decision Because what I found out is we don't have to build an app to find out whether people want an app. What I found out is we can pretend to build one. We can fake it. And so that's what we're going to continue to do. We're going to continue to find ways to test the features that we think people might want in an app without building an app. In other words, we're going to keep on faking it until maybe we decide to make it. We actually have a video of our fake app that is available on our website, gimletmedia.com. I want to remind people, this is not a real app. It doesn't actually work. You can't actually download it from the App Store. So check out the video, and we would love your feedback. We have a survey where you can tell us what you would or wouldn't want in a potential Gimlet app. That's all on our website, gimletmedia.com. Coming up, scenes from the next episode of Startup, but first... Word from our sponsors. The next episode of Startup, my new co-host, Lisa Chow, who you met last episode, reveals the company we will be following in season two of Startup. And she gets some insight into what it is like joining your spouse's company.
1: It was the second or third day and 1130 at night. He's like, hey, so I, uh, I sent you an email and I just, can you respond back to me when you get a chance? And I just threw up my hands like, look. 11.30 Eleven thirty at night, no. So I think um, one thing I'm finding is we're going to have to draw some lines in the sand and say, okay, you know, ten p.m. at night, we stop talking about work.
0: That's on the next episode of Startup. To subscribe to the podcast, go to iTunes.com/slash/GimletMedia or check out the Gimlet Media website, GimletMedia.com. There, you can join Gimlet as a member. Gets you access to T-shirts from our shows, early looks at new shows that we're piloting. Go to GimletMedia.com and click Become a Member. Our website was designed in partnership with Design Commission. Mark Phillips wrote and performed our theme song. Build Buildings wrote and performed our ad music. Brian Pugh mixed the episode. This episode was edited by Starley Kine, PJ Vote, Lisa Chow, and Caitlin Roberts, who also produced the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Startup and me at Avex Lumberg or follow the company at Gimlet Media. If you're interested in learning more about how design sprints work, the Google Ventures guys have put up a website all about it. We'll link to it on our show page, gimletmedia.com startup. I'm Alex Bloomberg. I'll talk to you soon, along with my co-host, Lisa Chow, on the next episode of Startup.